This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's the 4K 5.0 or the budget-friendly solo, Tacticam has something for everyone. Check them out at Tacticam.com. This year we're also working with Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is machine learning for the deer woods. Basically, Spartan Forge takes collar deer studies, insurance car deer accident information, social media geolocations, and it couples that with weather, moon phase, and rut activity to tell you when or when not to be in the woods. This currently has an online interface at SpartanForge.ai, but the app is currently being built and set to launch late summer. Once the app goes live, you can expect there to be a price increase, but if you use code BOWHUNTER, you can save 25%, and that will stick with you as long as you use the Spartan Forge services. So head on over to SpartanForge.ai and get your free 14-day trial. All right, everybody, we are back with another episode, and this intro is going to be relatively quick. I am on vacation, so I'm recording this from my camper, going to get it published up tonight, but I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to our latest Patreon, Sam Sheldon. Sam hung out with us up at uh, Boyne a little bit. He shot for the Iron Rhino, and he ended up winning that, and won the Kafaru pack up there. That didn't have anything to do with us, but... Um, you know, just congrats, Sam, on that. And that's who won the Michigan uh, Gafaro shoot. But uh, if you want to check out any of the Patreon stuff, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast or just click the link on our website. Um, we've got the link in the Instagram. But basically, that's just crowdfunding for us as creators. And uh, we get to give away some great stuff. Uh, I've just finished the spreadsheet for the Bowtech uh, Bow giveaway. We talk about that in this podcast. Didn't uh, really get time up there to do it. I had to build the spreadsheet and 
There's like almost a thousand entries, uh, extra entries to those Patreons, but we do also quarterly giveaways. So this, uh, actually, uh, just next month, we're going to be giving away that hunting bee stand and infault stand, um, as well as some Tacticam fish eyes packages from base map and Spartan forge, uh, zinger fletchings. We talk a little bit about those, but you know, we do some great giveaways, but it actually helps us to do events like this and to go to the total archery challenge, kind of offset some of that cost and all the equipment, what I'm editing this on, you know, that's all from Patreon. So it helps out directly with the show, but, um, yeah, check that out. But either way, you know, just tell somebody else about the show. If you like it, uh, you know, if you like what we're doing, uh, just tell somebody else about it. And as always guys, thanks for listening. Hey everybody, Adam, John, and Frank back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Going to break down our trip to Boyne Mountain for the Total Archery Challenge. Now, is this our fourth year doing it? We missed last year, but... Yeah. Okay. And then, did they start it? The first year we went up there, was that the first year they had it there? I think so. I, I think it was. I just remember seeing it like on social media or i got an email or something and i was like hey john you want to do this and then i was like oh yeah and then i couldn't even really go and i just went up there for the one day yeah it was me and frank Mm -hmm. my brother that's when we had the Uh, well first of all don't give away our condo no that was when we had the house up in the the village yeah i'm just saying that's where i rebuilt the bow in the bedroom and wasn't it? No, you did that in downstairs. No, he did. He did. Because when I showed up there, I mean, I walked into their condo and it was like. Dan was fletching arrows. They were fletching arrows. Oh, you, you, I rebuilt my bow. Your bow, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I I tuned Amber's bow last the last time, which was two years ago. Right. In the, in the condo. Yeah. And had her paper tuning in the room. Right. <clears throat> Chris was calling me right now. Oh, Ferd? Yeah. I was trying to get Chris on this podcast. I was going to tell him that he was missing out. Um, so this year it was me, John, Frank, Ernie, and then Chris again. And then we ended up shooting with one of our Patreons, TJ, on um, Friday. Friday. And then... On the motherfucking knock-on oh. course. Yeah, I want to get to that here in just a second. But Thanks a lot, Dudley. Yeah. You wait till I see him again. So, so Frank, from your perspective, like, how have you seen the event, like, kind of evolve? Because for John and I, you know, and I guess you too, you know, you've been to ATA and you've seen, like, a lot of these guys and a lot of these companies and a lot of the stuff. Um, but, you know. This year, I felt like there was a different, completely different vibe. And I don't know if it's because we had more people that we knew there that had boots or or what. Yeah. I don't know. I I thought there was, you know, there seemed to be more people there. Total, I thought, you know. A lot of people shooting, you know. Yeah, like the practice lanes were yeah. packed. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, I think it's a, it's a, you know, neat event, you know. 
I think it's kind of it's kind of gone in waves. Like there's some right. some of the guys weren't there this year that were normally there. You know, we missed Pat and Amber. Right. Tom and Tom Sarah. and Sarah. Yeah. Um I mean, you know, like our cookout seemed pretty laid back. I mean, I know people came and went, but it, was, it wasn't nothing like it was the first year we had it. Yeah. Um <clears throat> But we did get to I mean, seems like every year we get to meet some new guys and like the guys that had our old room. Super cool. Oh yeah. You know. guys are cool. Like Mount Pleasant area. Yeah. yeah. So Mount Pleasant, your your UPS drivers are are pretty stand up guys. <laughs> yes, they are. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. And then uh, the hard part for me this year was that they cha- they keep changing up the names of the courses. So the right. prime course was the prime course. But then all the other courses were like whatever. So Yeti is the old mountain ops, and then Leupold was the old locals. Yeah, because I, I actually found my scorecard. Well, I had my old scorecard. I found it when we were up there. I was going through my duffel bag. I was like, "Oh shit!" So when I got home, I actually scored the two because I I didn't even like finish scoring my card from two years ago, <laughs> and I did beat my card my scores, like. Throughout uh, this year from the last, from two years ago. But um, that was when I wanted to ground tune the RX-1. Yeah, so I guess like, talk about your perspective from this year, John, because you said you were the least prepared of like any time going up there. Yeah, so this year was my, I mean, coming up to it, I've been busy as heck. We just got new bows. And, I mean, literally I built a set of, it sounds like what happened for my elk season last year really but i was building arrows just up until the last minute but i hadn't i hadn't changed my arrow setup i was just i needed to build some more but i mean technically i could have went up there with like three arrows (laughs) yeah because you what messed up one i messed up one on the um lion you know hit it in the main and it has re-rod all through it so that that was a like 90 yard shot or something. I think it was like a hundred and five. Okay. And then I swapped that limb on the, the fifth shot. That on prime. On prime. Cause it went literally right through the freaking kill zone. But like I said, I'm like, I'm not laying up. I'm not just shooting for foam. I'm either going to shoot for the vitals and kill it. or I'm going to hit a limb and <laughs> screw up an arrow. So, I did miss the very first target, though, on the last day. I mean, technically, I blew that shot. Which one was that now? The very first shot at that uh, raccoon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I missed that one. But I used the arrow that I hit the limb with. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, wow. But so technically, that was a clean miss. I had the one clean miss for the weekend. Otherwise, I swapped that. You know, but that was going right to the kill zone. So, and then I smacked the the very last target. I grazed the tree, but I still got an eight on that one. <laughs> right. What about you, Frank? So where did it end up? Fine on the last one. Uh, th- so uh, hold on. I wa- I want you to go through like your weekend, but th- the last shot on the last target was like I was I was. My wife and I were walking the dogs today, and I was, I was telling her like about that scene. <laughs> um, so, bef- 
before before we get to that last shot, like the walk off. <laughs> um, so, like first day, we shot the knock on course, and that was new for us this year. New? Did they have knock on last year? Yes, they did. They did. Well, that course. What? You well, this is the thing. They didn't tell you you needed a small mule and a Sherpa to uh, to shoot this. Or did they? Pack llamas? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and my thoughts are like, could you imagine like out in Montana or like it, when you were in like real mountains? Like we're on like a grassy, like dirt, um, you know, going through some little valleys and stuff. But it's not a real mountain. It's just a, like a ski resort like if you were out like where there was real rock or you know like some of like i think it's the one in utah where it like looks like you're just like in the freaking grand canyon yeah utah's gnarly rocks like you miss a target there's no getting your arrow but it would be like if if you did had to do that same knock on course with like so you'd just be dead granted we did a bunch of running around and, and other things but like on my watch it was like I don't know, 15,000 steps and 91 flights on my Garmin Phoenix watch. The second day on Saturday, we shot two courses and it was like the same amount of steps and only 81 flights for two courses. So that tells you like the knock on it. I don't feel like he like there wasn't any real dick move shots. They were just long and small targets. Long shots. Long shot, small targets. There and, wasn't any like on Prime where they do the dick move with the, uh, I mean, a stick right through the middle of the vitals. Well, if that's the case, you're not taking the shot. I mean, come on. Right. Um, matter of fact, like my brother and, and those guys didn't even shoot the final shot that first day on Prime because right. that one was ridiculous. Oh, that one ate my arrow. Like it just exploded yeah. it. Um, and so I, on that one, I actually used the, the arrow that I had kind of, messed up in the line i knew it had a you know it was safe to shoot you know well but you know you take all those courses over you know there's there's certain targets on every one of them that are are questionable you know and that's where you find all the all the arrows either stuck in the trees broke off or whatever you know what i'm saying you there'll be certain targets on every one of those courses but I I feel they should just they should make them fair, you know and that that's all. I mean, just make them fair. Well, in in all fairness, you don't have to shoot. It's not a competition. It's a fun True. shoot, right? So it's fun to like try to weave something through. Like I mean, there's some of those where you're you're bouncing them off tree. Well. Anyway, Frank, for like I say, the knock on course was new for us yes. this year, and that was what we did the first day. Right. Um, and then, like, and you bailed on like the last twenty, <laughs> uh, number twenty, the number last 20. five targets because yeah. it was just like on the side of the like the a face of like a Michigan black diamond, and it was like just in the baking sun, like walk up a twenty. 15, 20 degree grade, you know, 100 right yards there. or so. Walk back down, shoot. shoot up, walk back down. Yeah. And you were, and it wasn't in a line either. So you like, saw two You pits. zigzag, <laughs> or John would say, you ZZ topped your way up and then you ZZ right. topped your way down. Um, and Frank just said, 
I'm out, boys. Well, I saw the asphalt trails, you know, that went down to the village, and I just, uh, that was good enough for me. And where was I when you guys came back? I don't know. Sitting sitting drinking a beer. That's right. (laughs) He's like, I got a bush light calling my name. Uh, He heard the Oh, yeah, it was the bush. (laughs) Didn't you take a little uh, break when you got down to the shade, though? (laughs) Down. Down at the bottom of the hill, there's a pool down there, you know, and stuff. And and these trees were right on the corner of the trail in a nice big shady area. And I just took everything off and threw it down. And my bow was laying there. My pack was laying there. I was laying there, you know. <laughs> I just laid right down in the grass for probably 10 minutes. You're like, uh, do you need any assistance, sir? <laughs> but that kind of, like, messed you up, you know, right? What's that? That, that first course. Kinda. Oh, yeah. That, that one really got me. Yeah. And then, well, because I didn't shoot the, the next morning, you guys went out and shot. And then uh, you guys came back, then we went out and shot in the afternoon. So, no, it was that was it was hard on me, that first one. So, to me, it was kind of a mix of the Sitka. From, mm-hmm. We didn't get to shoot Sitka this year, but the last time we shot it, it had some of that same stuff. Like, you run up, retrieve, which you did all that. Yeah. And then a lot of longer shots. Yeah, and it, it, some of the guys told us that the Sitka course was really good this year. And we, in all fairness, we tried to shoot the Sitka course and yeah, not the local. We missed the bus. But the tack kind of screwed us on on that one. So. Yeah, we were what, four minutes late. No, we were four minutes early. <laughs> oh, yeah, four minutes early. <laughs> the last shuttle left at four, and it was 3.56. And Nick took off. And they, they were gone. They were full. They said they were full. But they also said that the driver of the bus was a dick. <laughs> and, like. Way to go, dick. That's that's why. Um, but, yeah, so that Saturday afternoon we shot the locals course. I feel like he shot decent on that one. That one, mm-hmm. that one's fun because it's, like, the vitals are, like, hidden, like, a little bit or tucked right up against trees. But I don't feel like it's, like, I feel like the prime is just the one where they're, they're like, it's a big middle finger to you. Yeah, but it, then the next day uh, we shot the Yeti, which is the old mountain ops course. And like once we got out there, we were, we were remembering what they were. But uh, that one was hard enough for me. Like, what's your what's your take on that course, Frank? For- well, you know, well in the first place, you know, like John said, he wasn't prepared. Well, I. I threw that sight on, you know what I mean, and that tape, and the tape was was actually longer than the sight, you know, and then I had to, I could crank the, the sight down, and the, the indicator would be, you know, a half inch over the end of the tape on the sight, so I was kind of like going by uh, the seat of my pants a little bit. Too, yeah, well, so. yeah, well, so, and that wasn't even the worst one. You at least had a day on that one, right? Yeah. Chris, when I showed up to drop the stuff off at the trailer before we were leaving, like two hours before, they're sighting in Chris's bow. <laughs> and this is one o'clock. I got out of work at four. Right. And right. then we left at five. Yeah. So, and. And he had what, five arrows? I had one in my case still. So, I think he started with six arrows. Yeah. And. Um, Thanks to whoever left him. The, I, you, um, want, you want to know what's funny? I have to ask him. Um, I saw some, you know, I was following along on social media with all the pictures from the Total Archer Challenge, right? 
and I saw Genesis 3D printing. Austin Cantola was there, and he had his bow, and he had his like backpack on, and there was like these one arrows that looked like they were cut down, like and they might have been like his hunting arrows, and then he had these like really long, what looked like full length yellow black eagle, um, really outlaws. And uh, Chris may or may not have found a black eagle outlaw that was fluorescent yellow crested. And uh, he was getting kind of low, low, and uh, he wanted to make sure that when he gave it back to whoever the real owner was, that it still flew just fine. So he had to take it for a test run. And that one happened to fly for the tape that they settled on. Uh, much better. Much than better than the, all the mis- mix. Mish, mishmash of arrows. <laughs> the, the mixed bag of arrows. Because he had two arrows that he found that he was going to give back, but he just, he walked right by the lost and found thing with them and be like, oh, look at those arrows. I think they were out of sight on mine because they were in his backpack. So he was like, yeah. But he had some of Frank's arrows and he's shooting that old um, diamond of mine with my hunting arrows that are a solid four inches too long for him. Oh, yeah. So... Um, but the, I think the problem on that course there is everything is in a deep, dark hole. So what I would, you could see it through binoculars and they had like little ribbons on them and stuff, but like I'd get drawn back and look through my peep and I was like, okay, well, I know through my binoculars that the target was like a little bit over those green leaves <laughs> and to the right of that tree. So I'm just like kind of going back and forth and then you, I'd let it go. I'd hear it hit the foam and they're like, Oh, I'm like, Hey, I like literally could not see it. So how, how are you doing with those as far as like the seeing of the. Wasn't bad. You know, now does your site have a, is it magnified? Is it a lens? Uh, it's clear lens. It's just a clear lens, which I would say it's not really that clear either. No, it isn't. No, because he's <laughs> got it like, dirty. it's dirty and then he's got it like. <laughs> Did you use like fingernail polish or, 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 is or it like sharp? masking tape? I changed that. I, I got rid of that. It wasn't on there? The outside there? of it. Yeah, the outside. plastic, a, a disc yeah. that I, I used like a sharpie on it yeah to color it yeah so instead of being like a a full inch and a half circle that's clear with a dot in the middle he took like an inch and a half piece of plastic colored it in with a sharpie and then cut a one inch circle out of the center of it and so it's called refining it (laughs) so it's called something it's it's very uh interesting uh setup to say the least and not to mention so you're with your bow set up, the way everything's set up, to try to maximize your distance, we took off from the low end. So your lowest pin, your setting was 35 or 37. Yeah, 37. So, so on that local course. He was screwed. <laughs> He's aiming in the dirt. Like, okay, yeah, aim low, like six inches below the target. <laughs> but on the – um, so that that course – the last day, um, I don't know. Oh, there was like a a bunch of big groups ahead of us or something. Yeah. So it got backed up. So we would we were right up watching the guys in front of us shoot, and then watch them pull their arrows, and then that gave the guys behind us time. And so they were right there 
the whole time watching us. And it was kind of cool because we had Andy May right in front of us yeah. getting, getting to see him shoot and, you know, talking to him enough uh, through the Vitals Live and on the podcast and last year in Novi and this year at the the Tethered Tent and stuff. You know, it was cool to watch him shoot. Uh, like Alex was asking me, like, you know, what's it like watching him shoot? And it's like, it's a lot like John, except for he's like super meticulous and like took his quiver off his bow, took his backpack off, and then went into like the one hundred percent shot process, just like John does. Like, but I don't I, take my pack off. No, 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 no. <laughs> but when I shoot my bow, like I draw back, I get on there and I shoot. You know, I don't. Uh, there's no. There's no waiting. No, like, no. Like sometimes, <laughs> like no waiting pulls up. Yeah. Hey, shoot. Did you like go through your process? Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, but on to be honest did with you, sometimes you, I said no. Did <laughs> yeah. you like just punch that trigger? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Totally punched that one. Nope. Didn't. Well, and I want to get to that in a minute. But anyways, so on on that, that was cool. You know. And everybody, it, it's fun because you get to meet new people and you talk. And then by the end of the time, they're like ribbing you. And these guys are watching Frank maybe struggle a little <laughs> bit. You know, where'd that one go? Oh, over. Oh, son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or you can just hear him. <laughs> don't don't have to look for that one. Um, but the last shot was like, what? It was like 53 yards. It was, it was right around 50. Yeah. And it wasn't that, like, hit, oh, it was between two trees because you hit the trees. Yeah. Ernie hit the trees. I think Chris got it. Chris, Chris hit it. the phone. Like he, he was like a, almost a 12. Yeah. And then I hit it without any issue. And then Frank, you know, Frank does the a lot of the chainsaw. He does a lot of the, he's a little bit of the yips here. And he just got up there and pulled through. Hits the foam, no trees or anything, and it was like a walk-off home run. You know, he's like, it's in the foam! It's in the foam! And, <laughs> and the, the guys, guys behind us are all cheering. Dying. So that was really cool. I mean, that was... Uh, yeah, it was uh, the way to shoot the last one. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, that was really fun. But, yeah, for, for me, so I just had my regular hunting arrows, and they're... the. Black Eagle Spartans with the uh, 120 grain insert and 125 grain field tips. And I had some that were, uh, well, my hunting arrows were four fledge with, with a wrap. And I had ordered some more of those and some more inserts. And I had Frank cut them down at the club for me just, I don't know, last week or something. Yeah. Whenever you guys were up there. And then I put those zinger fletchings on there because I wanted to shoot them at the Total Archer Challenge just to see how far they flew or how well they flew. And they were shooting really well. I mean, they, they're a little bit loud. Well, one of the things I thought about, too, is remember the guys in front of us, the one guy shooting the blue and white blazer veins? That was loud, too. The, the blazers are way loud. Yeah. So I, I would say they're maybe comparable to that. Maybe a little bit louder. I feel like I, you can hear them all the way down the range. Yeah, but I have to admit, you know, I mean, I'm a, I like to build my own arrows and do all that. When when we were loading up the trailer, and I was like, and these ones are different. Like the yeah. original, the original zingers that we got 
had like the just straight cut. Yeah, they were like squared off like a. They looked like a rocket. Uh, yeah. You yep. know, fins. And. <clears throat> and they're really, they were really stiff plastic. Stiff. Like sharp almost. Yeah. And so when I seen the new ones, I was like, what the. They're kind of rounded. And, and they're like one or three degree offset, the ones I have. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, man. This guy ain't shooting with us. <laughs> Who is this clown? <laughs> and I tell you what, I you know, you shot really well all weekend. I mean, you had some, you know, a few punches, but compared to our last years past, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, like even all the long distance shots, those flew great. What you yeah. were trying to say is he didn't have any real zingers. <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, one of the things and. This is a, a good question for you because I was thinking about it, and and so I wanted to use them there because I felt like it was a good test of shooting them. And, and I did have one in the practice range, and I don't know it was like the first day, and I don't know if I indexed my my fletchings, so it might I might have had some contact with the string because I watched it, you know, fly poorly. Um, but that was the only shot that I really noticed that on. But I don't have anything else to compare it to because I only shot those on those arrows and my other arrows that I've got them on are basically a similar build. So having that much weight up front, right? how would that? So the, you have so much FOC that the, the front's doing most of the steering. Yeah. So I, I so, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's but what when they when they you talk about those fletches now, you shot those with field points. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about a broadhead? You know, or what about are they designed for that, or is that they just designed to shoot? No, they're, well, they're designed uh, for they're, hunting. They're for designed hunting. for hunting. Okay, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so, uh, like uh, Garrett Prawl did a video shooting multiple different broadheads, like out to sixty yards, um, with the old ones, and you know, he was because they make like a one, uh, three, and then like a six degree helical, really? and then they make them left and right and whatever. And these were with the old ones, but he was like looking at them from a noise and a flight. And I think it was like the three degree, and I think he was using left because he's left handed, but whatever, those ones I think were the most stable. And he met, I mean, he's really analytical. He's an engineer. So yeah. So it was that's like, all you have to say. Yeah. So, it, but they were, they weren't that far off of a regular fletching. And I mean, the profile of them, you know, isn't that different than a, than like a blazer or like a really small, I mean. You can almost compare it to those fobs that those guys. Yeah. Mean. Yeah. Yep. But I don't, I don't, I know literally nothing about those. I've only. I've seen him shot. I never shot him or did anything with him, but we're yeah. getting off subject. But yeah, but like I say, to, like to my point is, I shot those this weekend specifically on those arrows just to see how they flew, and they flew. I was impressed with them. I wasn't like well, you're well, taking that, you know hundred yard shots with them. You know, yeah, and. To that point, like the hundred yard shots and like the way that I was shooting was, you know, I'm not like ignorant to the point like where when I shoot, 
like about that shot process stuff. Like every time I would go into it and say, all right, I'm going to make a good shot or I'm not going to care where this arrow goes or whatever. And so I would get drawn back, you know, doing the Joel Turner thing, doing the Dudley thing, doing like the complete shot process. And I would, I would, I felt like I was a lot more like the way that John shot shot, or like the way that I perceived John to shoot in the sense of like, even when I would, we were watching like Andy shoot, like, so I'd get drawn back and instead of like being like, okay, this is where I got to be. Like, I'd be like, okay, well my feet feel funny. So I let down on a couple of them. I, I'd, I'd move around and I'd get comfortable and I'd get my elbow up and then I'd get in. And then once I found the target, like where I would needed to be. Then I'd put my thumb on the trigger. Sometimes I would hit the trigger at the same time. <laughs> uh, other times I would be like, all right, you know, pull, pull. But my, I usually get to like poo and then psh, there it goes. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, honestly, there was a lot of times, like I think uh, on one of the arrows that I lost, two of the arrows that I lost, um, I lost three arrows, smashed one on the prime and broke one on the practice range in the Buffalo, um, hit the Buffalo in the spine and Frank saw it. And it was like 90 yards or 85 yards or something. And Frank's like, yeah, something went flying off that arrow Hopefully and it not. was my knock and it just mushroomed the whole front of it. Um, yeah, there's a lot. That's like with that lion, just a, uh, public service announcement. Don't shoot the fucking line if you don't have to. Like the practice range, those guys were just wrecking arrows left and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's the one I smashed an arrow on. And I wasn't far off from the insert. Yeah, you were just to the right of the insert. Yeah. But I did I did the same thing the like the year I shot that like Audad or whatever in the eye. Um I shot the line <laughs> and broke broke one on that one too. Audad in the <laughs> eye. But, um, but yeah, when I was making good shots and I was like, I don't care where the pin is, you know, I just completely missed, but I made like a good, you know, I was completely oblivious to where the. Now, did you go over, you went over. Over on all of them. All of them. them. So the one, the one thing I've noticed, like when I shoot my knock to it or my um, wise choice or whatever. So that's the thumb release. When I'm shooting it true with the pull, 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 my arrows do fly higher than what I'm using because I'm pulling harder through the shot. And I think that, I mean, this is my personal thought, is that when I'm doing that, I'm getting more out of the bow than when I'm just sitting in, right. in almost in a relaxed position. Yeah. When I pull, I, I, I mean, I've, it's always been like that. When I pull through and I'm pulling hard, hard, and then when that shot goes off, it's normally high. Because <clears throat> that's the same thing that happened with the silverback that I shot on that one. Right. Out my left and right was perfect, and I shot him right above the insert. Right, because you're – there's. I mean, that's going to break at a certain point, and you've got to pull through it unless you let down to the point where it – you know. And then it would – it lands 15 feet in front of the target, but right. <laughs> ask me how I know that, too. Um, but I, I, you know, so that's one thing, like when I'm just shooting my knock to it, it's almost like I have to give it a couple clicks down and then 
but you know, I I pretty much just shoot my hinge now. But um, yeah, so let's talk about that. So we we so we shot knock the knock on tar uh, course the first day, and we got to was it shot three or four? Shot three was one hundred twenty. Yeah, well, we come around the corner, and we were shooting at a pretty good pace, like, for the first two. Like, we weren't really waiting, you know? We were, like, right on the guys. Everything kind of went, like, right as it was supposed to. And then we walk around the corner, and there's this big old, uh, like, I don't know, traffic jam, right? And John's like, who's this clown? <laughs> and that was, It was actually far, because it, it was on the elk. Yeah, it was like the fourth target, I think. Fourth or fifth. <clears throat> yeah, I'm like, who's this clown? It was Dudley standing there. Mm-hmm. But and then we walk up, and he's like, "What the hell happened to you?" <laughs> well, I was a sweating. Oh, well, what do you call me? Sweating Sweaty McFitz. <laughs> <laughs> but so I had asked him about my release and stuff because I had my too smooth. I dropped it. And then he's like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think you dropped it." <laughs> I'm like, "No, I did." He thought I, like, uh, tried to adjust it without loosening the the set screws, but I promise you, I didn't. Adam was actually there when it happened. I dropped it because I shot it originally with no click, and I dropped it. And I think actually what happened was I was afraid of over tightening the set screws, so I didn't tighten them enough, so it gave it a, enough. Like, uh, it gave it a clearance clearance to actually let that, um, the head angle move. So when it hit, it must have landed on that and it freaking stripped out one side of the set screw on that moon. And so all of a sudden I had a click, I'm like, and, and the click scared the shit out of me at first. Like, <laughs> even though, even, even now, I still get a little jump once in a while when I'm – because – and I think because of that was, like, before I went up there, and bef- well, the week – well, a few days before we left, I told you, I'm like, I took it all apart and I tried getting it reset because there was times where it would have a click and it wouldn't have a click. And, was, and so, I'm, when I'm shooting, I'm always guessing, like, did it already click when I first pulled it back? You know, because it was set that tight. Well, and there was times that, I don't know if it was after you guys adjusted it or what, where you, like, drew back and you're like, I don't know if it clicked, like, when I drew it back. So, he, like, let down. Right, because that's what would happen before. And it was like, hmm. Hmm. And so, yeah. So, so once he, you know, so. Real quick, just for uh, anybody that's like, what the hell is all this click business? Okay, so on a hinge release, I'm shooting a hinge release. It's made by Carter for John Dudley knock-on. It's called the Too Smooth. So a hinge release, everyone should know what a hinge release is, but you know, you it's just what it sounds like. You you pivot, you hinge, it hinges, and the hook releases, and that's how instead of pull, pulling a trigger or you know thumb trigger or actual back tension like with the silverback where it breaks at a certain pound, this, you rotate into it. <clears throat> so there's, you can have it with a click or without a click. So when you have it with a click, 
as you rotate it, all of a sudden you get this, and you know now, okay, I'm ready to go. And then it's just a matter of rotate, rotate, rotate. Well, so it's kind of like a little of a warning. Some guys shoot it without the click, and it's just like they just, they're so used to it, they just know, okay, I'm in, you know, safe zone, I'm just going to start rotating, it's going to go off. And that's how I used to shoot. That's how I shot it uh, two years ago when we were up there. But that's when all of a sudden there was times where I'm rotate, 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 rotate. It's not going. What? Where the hell? <laughs> but so, I mean, I love that release, but it's almost like it's got too much adjustment to play with. I, I think it's, you know, like I should just get something that's more simple where it's just a click and go. <laughs> the whaling hooker has no <laughs> moving parts at all. Nothing. No click or nothing on that one. It's just a solid piece of metal that yeah. has a hook. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you start shooting it, the more you shoot it, you you know at that point, like your hand position. Okay. I know where it's going to go off pretty much. But, so, yeah. So, I brought it back. So, Dudley looked at it. He's like, well, bring it back to the booth and I'll... I'll try to adjust it. So we get it back to the booth, and that's when he's like, hey, Sweaty McFitz, how many wardrobe changes do you have today? I'm like, just the one. I did change. I'm on my fourth hat. but So he took it apart, or didn't take it apart, but he just loosened up and started adjusting it. And I'm, and I'm sitting there, and, of course, Chris is over my shoulder, and, you know, Dudley's loosening up and messing with it. I'm like, well, all right, well, be careful with that one right there. And he stops and looks up at me and like, and Chris is like, yeah, because you never worked on these before, right, Dudley? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, not this one. Because <laughs> on mine, if you loosen up both the set screws, the whole thing, the, the actual, like, if you let the the hook come over the head, with the magnet in it, it pulls the moon all the way up. <laughs> I mean, so, I don't know. I do have to send it out to Carter or just call. I tried calling them, but they didn't return my, I guess the best way to do it is to email, email so who, them. What the one so, guy was saying. So, if I could just get a couple of those little set screws, I should just get a whole kit because I am missing an E-clip too. Mm-hmm. But then after he adjusted it, you were like, I don't really know what's going on. Yeah, so after he adjusted it, it was like click and then just barely rotate and boom, it'd go off. Because he had, he's like, pulls out the shot trainer and I was like, wow, it's hot now. And he's like, no. So the way I shoot my hinges, I, you know, two fingers, have it forward, draw back. I rotate my hand into the click and then I finish rotating. And he said, rotate your hand to the click. And at that point, start relaxing your index finger. And then it'll go off because it, it, that's how it finishes. And what we do, like three shots at the practice range mm -hmm. that morning. And it might have been hung over. Yeah, it might have. <laughs> but so it worked. That worked great. But I'm like. I'm so used to it. So then I'm like trying to do that on the course. I'm like, well, that's a whole nother process. Like I'm used to saying rotate, rotate, rotate. Excuse me. 
instead of relax, relax, relax. relax. (laughs) And sometimes relax and rotate. (laughs) And then all kinds of other shit's going on. But that just made me think about. So what that was like to say, he, Dudley was completely present and like there for anybody who walked up there. And even so, like while he was working, I'm like, hey, I said, you know, because there's other people coming up and wanting to get autographs, and I wasn't taking his time up for autographs. So he's, you know, I've talked to him before, and you know, yeah, that's cool. I should have had him sign the bow and stuff for me, but I didn't want to hog all the time. And he's like, no, this is why I'm here for. Well, this is what I'm here for. So I'm gonna, you know, do what I said. I'm gonna work on that. And then he actually took my bow and looked at that because I brought the NTN up or NTN. I brought that up there. And I did he not told him he was gonna give it back to him. <laughs> I'm like. I said, I've had some issues. I'm, I'm going to give it back to you. He's like, well, I'll take it. <laughs> but I did not give it back. But yeah, it was cool. Um, but that just made me think about, like, so I was going to ask Frank, like, what he thought about it. You done? What you doing there? <laughs> just, just a little problem. <laughs> so Frank walks up and tells Dudley, he just kind of, like, barrels through there and uh tells him what happened to him on friday night oh about the the, the sprinkler so so what happened on friday night to you frank so we we were gonna do the the pork butts on the on my smoker pellet smoker so we get everything ready and uh excuse me and we had uh had to run a cord out of their room down to the the pellet smoker and so we're on the second floor right there's no outlets on the back of this condo anywhere outside so we have to run a extension cord out of the bedroom out the door over the balcony and down to the smoker and, and we're but we're out there partying there was i don't know 15 20 people out there friday night yeah yeah, yeah. but we wanted to get the pork butts on before on or before midnight. Right. That way we could get them low, get them smoking all night, and then in the morning we'd be able to wrap them before we got on the course, and then we could finish them off that and way. Just, just leave them right in the smoke. Right, and turn them, turn it down to yeah. like 210. And so. Everybody's hanging out about 1220. 12 o'clock exactly, the sprinklers come on. The sprinklers came on. And that was like right in front of us. And everyone's running around, and the one cat from Latitude Went over and like he was like kicking it with his foot. So I hurry up. I still had, hadn't put out my fold up table. I quick folded out the legs and I brought it up and put it in front of it and acted like a barricade. And these are like golf course sprinklers. How far away was that sprinkler that was getting oh, us? Man. Oh shoot! It was a good. It was a good forty feet. Like it was. It was big. It was big. <laughs> yeah. And and it was hitting, you know, it was hitting the smoker. You know, we had the smoker right there on the edge of the concrete underneath the balcony there, and right. So, so got that covered. We got that covered, you know. And then I eventually went upstairs, and when I, I for what reason I don't know, I I came back out and I wanted to look, make sure everything was cool. And I look down and the things, the smoker's off. You know, there's no power to it. Because yeah, in the meantime, I come up. Well, we all kind of dispersed, really. Yeah. yeah. The sprinkler's kind of like. Yeah, it kind of changed Set the things. tone. Yeah. And so I went up and started, I was like, I'm going to bed. 
So I started, and my bed is right there in the room that everyone's going in and out of. And we had some lights on and shit in there. And I was like, well, I'm going to turn these lights out. So I flipped the wall switch, turned the lights out. Not knowing that it was a switched outlet that went to the freaking, the smoker. Right. So that's when you, you were like going back and forth and you were like going back out to check on it. Yeah. Like, what the hell? The smoker's off. What did you do? Hmm. I was like, well, I just turned the lights off. So then it was kind of like Christmas vacation. Like, turn it on. We got power. I turn it back off. No, now we don't. It's off. So figure that out. I'm like, oh shit. So I'm going to have to, I turn the switch. Now he's, Frank's like, just don't, don't touch anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime, that's when you went down. I'm sitting down there. I had to restart the smoker and everything, you know, I had to go through the start mode again. So me and Ernie are sitting down there, and I'm sitting there looking at the. I'm in the grass. Yeah, because you got in the chair and moved I got, it out. Uh, yeah, I took chair because the other sprinklers went off. Yeah. They, they went off at twelve uh, twenty. And I just happened to mention to Ern too. I says, you know, I said it's weird that that other other zone didn't come on. You know, yeah, I know. You know, and, and he's sitting up on the concrete. I'm sitting right in front of the smoker, watching the watching the digital readout. And uh, it gets to where it starts, you know, and I'm, I set the temp and the smoke and everything, you know, and got that all going. And within, I mean, 30 seconds after I got everything done, I hear this noise, and it's just like, and I turn and look to my right where the noise is coming from, and this goddamn sprinkler jumps up and hits me right square in the face. I mean, right in the beak. This son bitch hits me. You couldn't have. I looked, and the and the water was already halfway to me. It, but it hit me right directly in the schnoz. It was just unbelievable. I said, "How how in the hell did that shit happen?" You know, well, what are the odds that it's? And Ernie was pissing his pants. You know, and well, he, doesn't he, it like make it hard for you to even get up out of the chair? He <laughs> almost knocked me out of the chair, man. It was like I was going backwards. You know, this son bitch hit me right in the face. You know. In the meantime, Ernie's about pissing his pants, but then he's still got to run out and Get grab the, the table, table from the middle of the rack. Oh, barricade shit. Up. It was unreal. Uh, what was the odds, though? I mean, I I heard it, and I just looked, and it was like halfway to me. It was, it was, it was on a line. So he walks up, and he tells Dudley this. And Dudley's like, what? So then when we walk up, and we see Dudley, and he's going to fix John's release. He's like, hey, hey, this guy got in the yeah. face with the smoker or with with the sprinkler. And then, like, Ernie said they were sitting there, and some random guy just walked by, and they're like, hey, that's the guy that got hit in the face with the sprinkler. Yeah, he, just, he did. He just walked, he was walking down the sidewalk, you know. Yeah, that's the dude right there, you know. <laughs> Jesus uh, so we're you know as we do making memories but i have a question though excuse me out of all the courses that we we did mm-hmm. how many arrows do you think are still out there in that woods gee <laughs> i couldn't i couldn't even imagine the amount of like lost arrows. Well, how, how about that one, Adam? Broken the, arrows. Where the, they shot that out and we're all going into the tree there. The armadillo. The yeah, armadillo. The armadillo. 
Well, yeah, that's the picture you yeah, posted. Out I posted of that picture, and there's I don't know a dozen or so arrows right there. But I mean, like that last shot on the prime, like those arrows aren't stuck in trees. But you go and you look at all the inserts that are still in there, all the the field points that are still in there. But like underneath that tree was just, was just like pieces of arrows just yeah. everywhere. Oh yeah, or or like. The, the trees that look like porcupines going down to, like, the cinnamon bear shot, remember? Mm-hmm. Where, that's where we got backed up on that range. Well, that was, like, that one was, like, a son of a bitch because you shot down into this gully, but they had, there was a bunch of, like, deadfall, and then they felled a whole bunch of trees. So, like, just to get to retrieve your arrow, was a you, pain was, it was, like, there was no good way to get down there. And then the way... So, a lot of the arrows, what it was is there was one tree, it was a downhill shot, and it was like 50-some yards, I think, 54, and about two-thirds of the way down, there was that, like, Y tree, mm-hmm. and so it was, like, right at the arc of your arrow. Mm-hmm. So, guys that were shooting, like, a slower bow had to really raise up. I think that's who got in trouble the most, because... About 20 feet up in that tree <laughs> was a whole litter of arrows. I mean, it was gnarly looking. Well, that brings up a good point. One of the questions that I wanted to ask you, I mean, and this is no bullshit. Like, we're going to have to do a podcast just with you. Um, and we'll have to make sure that we do like a video podcast because there's guys that want to know about like arrows, building air, like how to build arrows, like building arrows. And then, like, the differences in arrows for, like, you know, building the heavier arrow, you know, weight forward, weight on the back, what it does with paper tuning. And then, like, target arrows and, you know, larger diameter, micro diameter arrows. But it, it, it brings up this this point, like, that this that shot right there. I saw on Instagram, like, that Brandon McDonald archery, he posted a picture where, I don't know if it was... Um, like a reel, or if it was just like clickbait, three hundred forty-six yeah. per second. I believe that's real, but I also believe that's very unsafe because IBO rating is five grains per pound. Pound, and he's talking his arrow weight was at three seventy-five. Yeah, for an so, eighty-pound bow. So that's like four point six grains, right. which. That's like dry firing your boat, well, especially I've, with 80-pound limbs. But I, I don't want to get, like, necessarily <laughs> into the controversy of that so much because, I mean, I don't know what those uh, Super 3D arrows you were shooting or whatever because when you were shooting those, those suckers, super. that sounded like your bow was. Exactly. They were right on the edge. That was like five grains per inch or five ga- grains per pound. So, anyways, but one of the comments in there said that um, – it probably wouldn't be a good arrow for total archery challenge because they like to play that arc. So a lot of the like laser beam type stuff, like down that prime shot, you know, that may be why my arrow, like I was shooting for the ass of it, but may have hit those limbs where Chris's just kind of went. Right. right That's how I played it too is, I knew that I my arrow was going to arc in a little bit. Because you aimed right at the I limb. I aimed right at the limb, knowing that if I just, you know, if even if I was a little up on it, just like on the second shot on the locals course, remember they had that big dead log? Mm-hmm. And I like, I'm like, 
I'm aiming right at the where everyone else hit. Right. I'm aiming at that on that log, knowing right. that my arrow's arcing in. Yep. And that's the only way I was going to hit into that like kill zone. So for guys that have never done like a total total archery challenge and they're thinking about maybe doing it for next year and they're like saying, okay, well, or maybe they're going to the one in Vermont or the one, you know, one of the ones that's still out there. Um, and they say, oh, well, I want to build myself a set of arrows for the total archery challenge. Like, would you build like your same hunting setup? Would you change your tape? Would you, I mean, what so, do you think it takes for? So for me, I, I mean, it's a little bit different for me because I'm shooting 31 inch draw length, 70 pounds, and I don't have a problem, too much problem with speed. My arrows, I'm using my hunting, hunting arrows. I didn't build any special, anything. It's just my hunting rig. I might've, I go with a little bit smaller vein. I'm using the, the PM 23s or whatever. Instead, I will go back to the max stealth three inch for hunting, especially with fixed blade. Cause I think that was one of the issues I had last year too, is I went with just the small veins trying to shoot a fixed blade. Not worth it. Um, but so I would build us an arrow as heavy as heavy as duty as I can, because like I smacked those two trees and didn't, I, I went through them. And I didn't, you know, script arrow. I did script the one where it hit the rerod in the, but I had, I only had uh, one that we we didn't really go look for it because we knew it was right. Cynical. There was two or two. There was a couple, but there was but the one I on hit, the knock-on course that hit I that hit tree. Some, I hit some trees, so yeah, dead on. You know, whatever, out. and bounced out. And, but and, you're also only shoot. You're shooting sixty pounds, fifty-two, fifty-four. Okay, fifty-four. So guys, like you shot. Adam shot those same arrows two years ago, and you broke a lot. On all the, of them. Yeah. <laughs> Basically went through all of them because they weren't as sturdy and, the, you know, they weren't, they didn't hold up. Yeah. So, but like, I, I got really lucky um, because when my arrows right now that are that carrying that much momentum hit stuff, um, I usually break them like violently. Um, but I, I, I did take a mulligan on this shot. I think I got the high score or whatever from the last one. So I go up to the thing, Ernie, what's the range? You know, 62, I pull back, it, it show, it comes up about 20 yards short and hits this dead branch. Dead. And I think the only reason that it didn't break the arrow or anything as like it was this branch that came up and it moved with the with the thing because i went up there and i was able to get it out didn't harm the arrow or anything um but i didn't adjust my tape i just yeah put it right on there and shot it for about 25 yards shy but that was one of my questions because like um I forget who it was that we were talking to TJ. Well, TJ, when we were shooting TJ, he said he went and just got a, the, like the cheapest set of arrows he could get that were the right spine from Lancaster yeah. and built those. But would you, so you don't necessarily see any benefit in building like, if, 
because I mean, so the arrows that I built were built for the tape that I had for my hunting arrows, but like those inserts are three dollars a piece, like, right? That, yeah, so, that wasn't prudent on my part to right, just you, shoot them into oblivion, right? If you're just going to go out there and plan on, you know, missing a bunch, but you know, I built a whole dozen arrows, but like I said, I ended up basically with three. But so I'm just thinking like maybe a better question for you then for your average guy that goes and buys your arrows off the shelf or whatever, you're not into, you know, doing all this stuff and you're confused about like, should I build a heavy arrow? Should I build one that flies at 278 or 289? Um, I guess what, if you're just going up and want to have fun and don't give a shit and you're going to do all the crazy little shots, then I guess I would do kind of like what TJ did then buy an arrow. That's the same, you know, comparable weight, everything spine and then but cheaper because you then you're not gonna worry about wrecking your like with you like, well that's what he said tj last year he went up there with his you know heavy foc his hunting arrows with basically they're 30 bucks a piece well that doesn't make much sense if you go out and you know break yeah. four or five arrows that's a whole that's more than a dozen if you just go right. buy the cheap ones right as long as they shoot good out of your bow you know, because you still want to go up and. You it's know. really weird, though. You, you look at all the everybody's shooting blazer veins, little little fletch and everything. Them fletches that I got on my arrows, with that little bit of helical to them, those arrows fly really good, man. They you, fly it, great. So what the hell is it? It's the, the guy that's shooting them, dude. <laughs> you know, you guys know that. Yeah, that one was sweet. Like I was standing right behind you, and it was like that. It was a long shot, so it kind of went up and over, yeah. and. I'm standing right behind Frank, and I just watched that that arrow. Just look like a, uh, what I call it the orange orange cream sickle. Yeah, golf ball. I think that's the guy that built your bow, right? Got a good arrow flight, and yeah, you know. What? So this year you did shoot a bunch for the truck to yeah no avail. Um, I think next year, I'm like I said, I'm going to build some arrows and have a because my bow with a regular arrow, you should be able to easily. And I wonder now that we have said it, and I have no idea like where they would go. But if we were joking around, if we had just flipped it to the performance cam, because like I my sight goes to like 105. And then there's still some room down there. So, for cl- with clearance, you still had clearance. I had plenty of clearance, yeah. So, that's the thing, like, it was just bottomed out. It was bottomed? Yeah. Bottomed out past 105. So, but I think it would be fun, like, to shoot at. And I think, like, the last two years, at least the two years ago, like, I was shooting really good at long distances because I feel like they were bigger targets. Like, that. So, Dudley posted a picture or he he backed up that armadillo and shot that armadillo for 93 one of his last shots it was like i thought it was 70 he said 65 was it i thought it was like 70 also yeah like 75 or 72 or something yeah but it was an armadillo like the size of a you know like a basketball that was the second to the last target yeah 
And, I, I uh, saw that from where I was laying in the grass over there. <laughs> yeah. You know, we all hit it. We all hit it. Yeah. And uh, that that was a fun one, you know. But like, I feel like in years past, like at the bigger targets, you know, it wasn't any was no big deal because you're just like, oh, just put it anywhere on there. We'll get foam and it'll be fine. Right. The closer ones are the ones that were more realistic. And there was a lot of them this year that were like the small deer and like the one-third elk. Well, we've seen that. the freaking, the armadillo like five times. I've never mm-hmm. seen it before. <laughs> but I think on that long shot, it was just so small that you only had so much to focus on. So it was, but it was a. That's a poke. That was a poke. But like I said, I, I was shooting pretty well like two years ago. Like you're like, well, you should shoot for the thing. Yeah. I mean, I 12 that elk or whatever it was at 90. Um, but I just, I've never had like a, enough. I've never had a spot to shoot and shot at that distance. And I didn't want to pay money just to kind of find the range, you know. Right. Because really at that distance, I mean, we watched some really good shooters shooting above it and below it and over here and over there. And it's like, was that me? Was that the bow? Was it, you know, where, where am I supposed to hold? Man, if Uh, I would have like looked at those arrows, my last six, it was literally like, they were all in a row, like six inches low. mm -hmm. Like if I would have just gave it a couple of clicks, I would have been more in the range, but. My closest was like an inch, inch and a half outside the 12. That, and that was like your, your, that was like everybody's first shot on that second volley, right? Cause that one went and it was like, oh. Yeah, I'm like, that looks close. But even you and that one dude on the, the first set, like you, you guys had two of them that were real close and his was in and yours was. Yeah, mine was. But that was his fifth. Set of 11. Yeah, and it was $150 for 11 shots or $15 a piece. So he was sitting at 750 and he wow. wasn't done yet. For but, Frank, we talked about it, right? So they said they Chris B. was there shooting when John was shooting. And he was saying they think there's going to be 100 entries this year. There was like 48 last year or something. Mm-hmm. He said they think there's going to be 100. So – John, you said you did the math on that truck, right? It was so. If it, even if it, if they had sixty grand in the just the truck, which I don't know how the, if it, the trucks donated or or whatever they do it. So, so if, if, it, but if you could buy a raffle ticket for a thousand bucks, one in a hundred to win a sixty thousand dollar truck. Yeah, I mean it's even if you had a even if you said oh, okay, well it's a five hundred dollar buy in or whatever. You, you would consider it, right? Right. So, I mean. Yeah. Well, I think it got to the point with him, and he was like, because he was shooting the day before with Travis, and Travis put four in. So, Travis Johnson, who has won the truck before, and we had him on the podcast talking about target archery and shooting and all that. He was up there. And he's been, he was on fire over the winter winter leagues like he was shooting 300s left and right yep he shot i don't know it was like consecutive 300s indoors and so we ran into him and he had already had two in there and that's when that guy was like shooting and and he was like yeah i was listening to travis and he was telling me you know he's telling okay aim right here and so i just kept you know buying tickets (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and he finally got one in on the fifth set. But but that's what made me think about like the arrow thing and everything because uh, I guess we can talk about that just a little bit. We're you know I kind of covered a bunch of the stuff that we're going to cover, but um, like for that specific shot. It has to be inside out. So, you, so if you were going to build a set of arrows, like I'm saying, if I want to shoot arrows for that, I'd be way better off shooting a micro diameter arrow, smaller arrow, yeah. So that there's a chance that if I'm that close, it won't be cut cutting the line, and it will be inside out. Now, now if you wanted to build like a, I know, I'm, I'm not sure. I didn't see what Travis was sh- shooting, but like Chris B is shooting like pro tours. I don't know what those are. Those are like four hundred bucks a dozen. Those are a targeter. But are they big? No, they're well. They're they're a smaller diameter. They're not. They're probably closer to like an axis, like when I'm shooting. But they're a tapered shaft. They're for shooting like field archery. I mean, but super straight. They're tapered. You'd have to. I mean, the opposite of a grizzly stick. Like <laughs> small fronts, like darts. Yeah. So, um, did he get any in? I don't know. He had just started shooting it when I got done, and then we left. We had a time. So I yeah. didn't see on there if he did or not. Yeah, Travis was shooting some strange looking arrows, like little tiny, little tiny, tiny fletchings. So probably more like the field archery. Now, why would they do that? If you're shooting that long, why would you want just for less drag so you have like a flatter shooting arrow or like? I think less wind drift. I don't really not catch it as much. Hmm. Because if I'm, you look at like, if you look at like field archery or like the, I'm trying to think of when they're shooting like the 70 meters with, with recurves and stuff. Look at those. They have like tiny ass little veins. Of course, they're going over the riser of the bow, but yeah, those guys that are shooting like the 70 and 90 meter or whatever, 50 meter. Yeah, because his veins were way smaller than the ones you're shooting. Right. And those guys are shooting, you know, outdoor. Maybe it's outdoor world archery or whatever, but those guys are shooting long distance and then they have to deal with wind and everything. So, and they're trying to put it in that friggin', you know, Ten ring and they're shooting. I don't know how many arrows, but yeah, all those guys are shooting small veins, so they're getting their bows tuned to the point where they don't really need. And they're not shooting a broadhead. This is just target. So you got the field tip, and you get your bow tuned. You get your arrow shaft tuned to fly good, and then you're more consistent. Okay, so. What do you think we need to do differently next year? What should we do differently next year? For one, I'm going to be in better shape because I felt like shit that first day. Yeah. Real shit. (laughs) Which kind of set the tone for the rest of it. So I was doing great. Like all winter long, I was sitting there working out, you know, trying to watch my eating and all that. And then. Like, right before we went to Florida, I started having a little bit of hip pain. So, I was like, ah, I was going to take a little time off. You know, we're going to Florida in a few days. I got home from Florida, and I haven't even touched a weight until, well, 
till now. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> but I could definitely tell a difference. And plus, here, I'm going to Montana. I might not be carrying a bow, but I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be out there hiking the mountains just like I did last year. And so I need to get my ass in the groove. So that, for sure, I'm going to try to be in better shape physically, mentally, and I'm not going to be dicking around with a bow right before or release. I'm going to be, like I said, this was the, I've been busy since I got back from Florida doing other shit. So like getting home late, you know, not having time to shoot. Like the last week or whatever, well, since we got the bows and what, I don't know, it took me a week or so to get it set up, but I was trying to at least get three good arrows or three arrows, three arrows a night. I was telling Frank, Mm -hmm. even if it's just one set, I at least got some arrows through the bow trying to get the muscles. Cause that's another thing too, is like when you're not shooting every day. And you go out there and hike a mountain and get all fatigued. And then you try to, try to hold your bow. I mean, and I was dealing with that big time on that knockout course. There was a yeah. couple shots there that I, I waited for all you guys to shoot, you know. Just to get a little just extra. Just to get a little bit of extra wind, you know. Right. And see, I have a hard time with that. I like getting up there. I like being the first one to shoot just like, you know. Yeah. I like to be the first to the target, check it out, you know, and. Even if I'm not supposed to be the first one shooting. I like it when John's the first shooter because he's got these big, bright green fletchings, yeah. and it usually gives you something to shoot at. Yeah. He did smack one of them. That's what happened to the other arrow. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. That was down the side of it. Yeah. Oh, th- that was one of the most – I don't think it was that um, that target, but it made me think of it because it was right near that uh, – they had like the most funky target. I don't know how far the shot was. I don't think it was very long. I think it was like 40 yards or something, but it was the prairie dog family target. Yes. And it was like, where in the hell do you even aim at this thing? And there's all these little tiny, and John smoked it, but like the 12 was like the size of like the end of your pinky. Yeah. I was and like, then there was like a, a ring that was a normal 12 size ring, but that would have been the 10 yeah. ring. And it was, it was just a, funky target for a 40 yard uphill yeah, tree behind yeah. yeah i think frank you got the log on that one didn't you? i did i logged that one <laughs> you got the arrow back I logged in mm-hmm. yeah because it bounced back didn't it <laughs> no it oh, bounced one, over it skipped off and went up and oh that's right. that one stuck in it oh that's right that one was like dead center in that big dead log across behind it yeah hmm but we got her back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I had to unscrew it. it yeah. Uh. Yep. But I did a lot of <laughs> unscrewing for, for Chris. I, you know, I think I think uh, if I if I really take it serious like next year, then I'm going to go with a totally different setup site-wise and stuff. Right. Something, need- that, something that I can legitimately shoot, you know, to infinity and beyond, you know. So, you need like one of our... HHA. Well, I, I, I would say that that just a single pin HHA, like. But you want to you want a wheel though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the optimizer. Yeah. 
You don't have to have the four pins, obviously, because I I didn't even I used two of my pins. And and to be honest with you, like I know like the biggest hang up with most or all of those wheel ones is the price. I mean, I don't think you can touch one for less than like three hundred bucks. But because they have that algorithm, you know, mm-hmm. you shoot 20, you shoot 60, and you're going to be, I mean, as long as you can shoot, the bow will be in the target. Like, you might not be in the 12 ring, but you're going to be within, you know, a handful of yards. As long as you give it a little time and you don't do it, like, two hours before we leave it. Right. Well, but I don't even, uh, I mean. Because we were trying to shave percentages off for Chris because he's like, because you could see it. So it might be okay on the, like on the lower yard is 20 to 40. But as you start getting out into the 50, 60, 70, now that, that curve, the exponential curve, whatever is really catching up. Right. So that's where you're seeing it. Like, Oh, and I'm at 70, I got to put it on 82 or. All right. So, so to curb that, and we've talked about this before, but just real quickly, like, so you shoot 20 and you shoot 60. And then what do you do for, um, to finalize it? Cause you say you go out to 80, but how do you do that? Do you do that on the, so on the, on the actual site in tape or, so, like, okay, when I got home, what I do, like, so I used to do, like, on my accent, my um, Excel, Excel. that one is a straight tape. So, there's no 24 or 20 and 60 and pick your number. It's just old school. You cited it at 20 and you cited it at 80 and then that's where I use my calipers, mm-hmm. right? And then I just go through and it takes, it might take me, you know, a few tries. And if you didn't have calipers, you could just draw a line on another straight edge or something. You, you just yeah, need yeah. to measure it. Yeah. You just need to measure it. And being straight, it's not like right. curved. So you're, you'd still be good. But you can still do that with a wheel. So like when we got back, I was dicking around my bow. And because remember I said I was like two, I was like two yards off, give or take. And, and that's so, what cost him the truck. Right. So you know. And so what I did was I went back, shot my 20, zeroed it, made sure that was good. Walked back, shot 40, made sure that was good. Then I walked all the way back to 100. And then I just shot probably... Well, I ended up emptied my quiver, and then I went up, and I, like, looked at all my arrows, and I was consistently, like, low. So, then I just dialed it again, went back, shot my whole quiver again. And that was, like, 10 arrows. And then my line was much, like, it was right in line on that. My orange bag's got an orange and black. So, what I did then was I brought it back down took that wheel off but first of all i locked it at 20 i turned it back down to 20 
locked it in, took that wheel off. Then I took that tape off. I put it back down on the tape, took my calipers out, and I knew it was actually measuring 95. So it was like 20 and 95. Put it on there, took my calipers, found out, and it was like, I was like four numbers off. So. Yeah, so the further you go out, the more accurate you're going to be on that. Exactly. But that's why, like, it, like I say, it'll get you in the ant. Like it, it, it'll get you close. I mean, especially for shoot. I mean, if you're shooting out to only fifty, it's yeah. But like, like I say, for Frank, like the, you we're most times I don't even notice. It's just like when you start really shooting a lot of long distance like that, and like what I say, I'm like I'm consistently low. Well, and that's what I said. Like, so I didn't shoot my bow like a ton before we went out there, but I was good at 60, maybe just a hair low, but at 80, 84, I was about eight inches low. And so I knew that the further I got out there, I was going to have to add a couple of yards. See, and that's the thing that's, you know, I don't want to do. I want to be able to say, okay, run it to 82. Or eighty four, and know that that's, that's where it's going to go. If you know? you're on, it's where right, it's gonna, and that's that's the thing though. It's like you better get out there and oh yeah, yeah. work on that and do the shooting. But I'm going to have a different site next year for hunting or for no, no. My hunting site's right at, right at my in my garage right now. So why don't we? I mean, it sounds like we need to just set you up a total archery challenge bow. Like his helium that he still has, you know. Then, then you won't have to be going back and forth and back and forth. You won't have to worry about, and you could, it, it, kind of like what we were talking about with the, um, kind of like the arrows. We could find you a set of arrows because you're going to be limited. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Maybe you know the math. Or something, but at fifty-two yards, I mean, he's going to run into clearance issues. So, pounds. yeah, fifty fifty-two pounds. So maybe he needs a smaller veined arrow. Oh yeah, than the big ones that he's shooting. He's going to have so that yeah, we get sure have to get some, some more stuff to get some more clearance. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, it, it's going to be all well and good, except for you're only going to be able to shoot to seventy-five yards like Chris's bow, and then. You're going to still be, you're either going to have to be the guy that walks up to the women's tees. I crack the poundage up. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not trying to hunt with it or something like that, you know, and shooting it all the time, but I mean, I can, I can shoot 70, you know. Well, but, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, you, you got that bow that's just sitting there. Right. If you want one to stretch it out, I mean, that would seem a little bit more prudent than. You know, I I mean, right. I'd be nervous about you just given the circumstances right now that your bow is going to sit there and then it's going to be September 18th and you're going to be like, well, no, you're going out west. So I'm going to be out west. It's, it's going to be August 15th and he's like, well, I got to put that hunt site back on there. Like, we got to load up the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chris lost half your arrows. You broke a bunch of them. Yeah, I'll get them checked out. 
<laughs> but I do have to change my Fletcher though, because I changed it for him, and I got to change it back. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I guess if if you're within a a few hours of driving distance or something like that, or or something, I would definitely check it out. And I know that I've said this on here before. Just don't uh, try to take our condo. Yeah, well. Well, and here's the thing, too. You didn't say nothing about that pork. How was the pork? That's the first time that I've ever done pork where when I brought it upstairs to pull it, I took the aluminum foil off of it, and it was like jello. It was like it was like completely fluid, and I ended up just scooping it out with a slot it like it was like one like a like a pasta spoon, <laughs> like one that had like the, the little fingers, fingers on it. Because yeah. I didn't want to. There was a lot of juice and a lot of um, fat, so I just ended up scooping it out of there. And there was John's like, "Did you pull it?" I'm like, "I didn't have to pull it. I just had to like how'd, I couldn't I couldn't get it out of how'd there." The, how'd the bones come out though? Well, that was just clean, just. <laughs> But it was, it was like jello. Like when I touched it, it was just like. like so it was a like a mold. combined effort because you did the rub. Yeah. So you did like your rub deal, which I just, I don't do any wet ingredients in the rub. I usually just, whatever dry rub I got, I just paste it. I cut the cap, trim the cap down a little bit, dry rub it, throw it on there. Well, I told him since we were going to be doing it that long, just to leave the fat on there. And we put the fat on the top because. I didn't want it to dry out. Did you put it on the top? One of them was on the top. One of it was on the bottom. Let's see, because yeah. really, the, they don't matter. So actually, like they're they always say, put the fat on the bottom. But they both they both come out great, right? Either way, and I used that that rub that I got, you know, and then I I use some mustard on there, you know, to just to hold the rub, make it ad- yeah. adhere, yeah. And so then we just, so like on my smoker or on my grill, the Traeger, it's either smoke or super smoke. Mm-hmm. And then that's good from 165 to 225. So depending on like, I like to do it like the lower end so you get more smoke. Well, we did, what we do the temperature on that? So we started it, I think, at 220? 250. And then when we got up in the morning, it was like 156. And then we wrapped it and put some pineapple juice and apple juice in there. And then we put it at 210. Because that's I'm like, we're going to be gone all day. So let's set it to the point where even if it gets done before we get there, it's only at 210 instead of, you know. Before you guys... Before you guys wrapped them, I looked at those. And, man, I'm telling you what, them were pretty, you know. They were good looking, you know. We could have won the, uh, you know. Pretty pork award. Yeah. But yeah. then we did, the, we did the ribs, too. We did venison ribs. Uh, Ernie brought a bunch of them up. And uh, we did them in the roaster and then threw them on the grill. And, and – that's one thing, like, first of all, we did 
two deers worth of ribs and they were two pretty good sized deer and there was a pile of ribs. It was, there were so many, I was like, there's no way we're going to eat even close to these. And we had some leftover the next day. And then I think we had like, maybe like four little pieces of the racks left at the end. But I mean, people were just mowing them down. Like Chris and I, when we, we, so the next day we grilled burgers. But so when we got done with our first course, we all had warmed up pulled pork sandwiches. Right. Then we got back for dinner. We grilled burgers, and me and Chris were like, "Get out that pork!" <laughs> so we had cheeseburger with pork on top. Oh yeah. Oh man. And then we the put, only thing that was missing was some spicy pickles. We put those uh, leftover ribs. So if you do venison ribs, like the the one like downfall or the mitigating factor is like the fat and the tallow is like eating a candle. Yeah. So if you don't cook them like in the roaster and then get rid of all that fat, or if you don't reheat them properly, like the second time, and Chris said they're like good for like about two days, three, he had them for three days, just warming them up in the microwave or the oven. Um, they just get really waxy. So you kind of have to be like one and done. Yeah, but and you have to eat them hot. Oh yeah, yeah but the those first guys, those guys trimmed a lot off too. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of trim. Well, but was, that's but like when Chris and I do them, like when we break the deer down, we take all that off, like as much as we can, like on the animal. Yeah, and I think Ernie was just like, "Oh yeah, ribs," like with the sawzall. Well, yeah. So. But the first time, the first time we did them a couple of years ago, there, you know, I made sure we shaved, you know, all, yeah, get that stuff off them. And man, I tell you what, they were damn good. Yeah, I think like I think we should have put them in the roaster. Oh, the night before, or at least before we went up the hill. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Then that because that yeah. low and slow, just like we, with the pork. Well, because the ones we did in the crock pots here, remember, they were like. The, you know, bones were like big white teeth on the ends, you know. Yeah. They were, they suck, were, they they were just a little right. tough. We yeah. cooked them a little fast and, you know, but when Frank said, he goes, did anybody say anything about them being tough? And I said, everybody that tried them just said this. <laughs> I mean, they just like gobbled them up. I mean, they were, they were good. They tasted just fine, but. Yeah. You know, I feel like anytime you do anything like that, like the pork turned out perfect. The, um, like the ribs, usually even at home, like when I cook like a brisket or I cook ribs or something, like I have in my mind like exactly how I want it to come out. And like rarely do I hit like that mark, you know. And everybody's like, oh, those are really good. And you're like, well, they're not, you know, <laughs> they're not what I was thinking. The pork though? That, that the hit real- the mark. That, yeah, that like walleye was great too, though. Mm. That walleye was great. Yeah, that was the the you could tell the difference. So I had some stuff that was uh, from last year, and that was the stuff because that's it. I've said it before. Like when you vacuum it, it's still good. It's still got great flavor, but it has a different texture. It's almost like a not rubbery, but a firmer texture to it. Mm-hmm. That was the one I did with like the regular, uh, just Everglades seasoning, and then the blackened was all was all the uh, 
the fresh stuff I the new stuff that we got, you know, the spring won't. Mm-hmm. But and then the walleye cheeks. Normally, like when I did those walleye cheeks, I was super surprised. Like, damn, those are like little freaking like flaming yeah, yeah, a fish, I mean, little scallops like, almost. Yeah, because like when I, if you deep fry them, they get a little chewy. Yeah, and that's why we started doing like the cheek chowder because you can get all these cheeks and it's a good way to eat them. And then they are super tender in that. You put those in first when you really when you're cooking it down and it cooks them down and they get super tender. Well, I was gonna do the cheek chowder up there and then and then put in those, you know, last year's fillets, because that still was really good. But it was just so hot and it was like it just wasn't chowder weather <laughs> really. Right. So I'm like, sprinkler well, weather, but not chowder <laughs> weather. But, so I'm like, I'm just gonna, you know, throw it all on the on Blackstone, and man, them cheeks! I pulled them off. I was like, "Holy shit!" They were, they were good. I like those. It didn't last long. Yeah. So next year, I think we need to like, and it's I, I, it's always on me. Everything, like, I need to, like, we need to plan better just for that. Like, gonna be at this time. Shoot earlier, do something, or shoot like way late the next day, and just be like, so. But because we left on Sunday, like that puts a strain on things because you have to get up and yeah, that, take care of all the shit and all that stuff. But I think we stayed in a different condo this year, and it was way more expensive. And I think that's why we didn't do Monday. So it was like, well, I think well because also two years ago, I mean. There's only a couple of us that stayed on Sunday night, wasn't there? Yeah, but the, we, we had the a, condo. We didn't. We have had to, it right. We didn't have to check out Chris at ten er, o'clock. Chris and Ernie and I stayed. We had to come back because it was his birthday, and we went into town. And remember, I we went to the Red Mesa. Yeah, yeah. Ernie and Chris and I did, and we stayed the next day. Yeah, so we needed that. Needs to be part of the thing, just just for yeah, because. That really screwed up Sunday. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, we had to get everything in loaded and everything. We didn't you know, even eat breakfast. Didn't get no maybe. breakfast, you know. <laughs> everything load everything up. Back, then you got to drive home all freaking hot and dirty. Well, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? Because we could not have all the fun that we have and bring all the stuff and have the tables and have the, right. and just be like, oh, well. We're just going to hang out in the room and go up to the bar and hang out, or we can say, well, "All right, that's well. the guy the sprinkler hit." You know, <laughs> you know, we'd be talking about somebody else on the podcast, but you know, we okay, we, we, we kind of were like, kinda, I, I felt like we were kind of actually antisocial because we just stayed at the condo the whole time. We didn't even go up to the like bar area or the. Whatever they had going on up there, I heard music. Yeah, that was on Friday. Yeah, they had the Black Rifle had a, they had some raffles, like where if you bought one of their grenade cups, um, you got entered into one of their raffles. Hmm. But, but yeah, I, I think, you know, if you guys get a chance and there's a lot of the guys that were in like the Marco Polo group for the Patreon saying like, oh, I want to come up there and i mean i think we should really have like a like a meetup 
like up there. Like, and that's what I was going to say. So like, if you have a like one within like, say four hours of where you're at and you've got some time, like, even if you don't go shoot the course, like you can go up there, you can shoot for the truck. There's other, like bear archery had some things where you could shoot and shoot for their bows. You could, uh, Kafaro had a iron rhino. Um, you can just go walk on and shoot the practice course. You can shoot out to 80 yards, you know. Sometimes they, they have 100 yards. Plus, they have a whole bunch of, I mean, like you said, Kafara was there. Latitudes were there. Tethered was there. Uh, uh, Mystery Ranch, Black Rifle Coffee, Knock On. You could meet Dudley. Yep. I mean, um, Furlough. Yeah, PSE, it? Prime. Yep. Um, well, Prime to, better be there since they're the, yeah, one, of the, one of the courses. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a. A bunch of vendors, Yeti was there, um, Sitka, um, you know, there's just, it's just a really cool, cool like, event. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for us, especially being in the Midwest, like where you can't check out like a lot of the packs or the, you know, any of the crispy boots outdoor gear. Um, yeah. And like, we didn't really, I mean, we went up and hung out in the tethered booth and the latitudes guys went and checked them out. I talked to the furlough people, um, I went to one of the local shops and got myself some field points. Um, but there's a, it's just a really cool like event. If you're, if, if you're listening to this podcast, you'd enjoy yourself. Right okay. You know, yeah, uh, for sure. So get def- your ass out to one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so definitely check that out. And, um, you know, I kind of think that's all we got. You got anything else, John, about the whole thing? Public service knows it. Always. Check your arrows because after slapping a tree or missing a target or slapping arrows with someone else, mm-hmm. whatever, look at your arrows. Uh, Ernie shot that one that was. Right, which I didn't, you know, you guys went up and pulled them. And you know me, I always sit there and spin mm-hmm. it even after, you know, and like I was kind of doubtful of that one that you slapped. The knock was a little loose. I just put it away and like, well, I'll check it out later. So, one of our, one of the friend of the family, uh, Lucas was up. He he came up on Sunday, right? And I didn't get to talk to him, but he seen me shooting or whatever. And he's like, "Hey, I was going to say hi." He messaged me. He's like, "But we had to get on their lift, or they had to get on the shuttle. They went and shot Sitka." So I messaged him uh, yesterday, I'm like, "Hey," I said, "How'd it go? You know, did you have fun?" He's like, yeah, it was like a last minute thing. My buddy talked me into going. We we shot Sitka. I was having a little issue with my rest first, you know, off the bat. But then uh, Station 22 had an arrow blow up in my bow and tweaked the bow. So he was done at that point. I'm like, man. And that's why I was like, I guarantee you, he probably slapped a tree or missed and hit a rock mm-hmm. or someone else hit it. Yeah. Especially on Sitka, it's a longer course. And. And I'm like, dude, always check your arrows. You're lucky. You know, you could have, there's guys that have, you know, can't even shoot with that hand anymore. I think uh, John Dudley was talked about it where the dude had such bad nerve damage. He had to end up switching hands, went from a right-handed boat uh, to a left. I know a guy that I went to school with did it with, a, he knew the arrow was busted. He was going to launch it out. And this was the old fiberglass, and that thing went 
exploded and went into his hand and he still has a huge scar where it went like almost all the way through and just tore it up so always check your arrows safety first (laughs) all right guys thanks for listening that's all we got for this evening